0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Stadium Cast. You may know me as Martine Inadequance.
1: And I am Lundberger, also known as Amanda. And we are here with, uh, I would say, someone that we know pretty well, wouldn't you, Martine? One of uh maybe uh, the, also, I would say almost everyone in the Pokemon community thinks that they know this guy well. And by saying this, everyone already probably knows who is on the podcast. We have BDS Chief. Uh, Will, welcome in.
2: Hey, how's it going? It's great to be on the show. Really excited to talk with you. Uh, Martine said he had a ton of questions. And uh, Amanda, if anyone's watching your video feed, they might see that you transported back to 1810. So. Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: So, this is a, yeah. a special thing for people who are actually watching and not just listening to the podcast. Make sure to check it out to see my beautiful, beautiful background here. Sure. Okay, uh, so Speedy, since we actually have you on, uh, we have to ask a very important question because like I said, you're friends with Martine and you're friends with me. Who... Who do you actually like more out of the two of us? Think oh
0: very carefully. Now. Think very carefully. <laughs> we go way back.
2: I, I'm just saying. That's true. That's true. I've, I have known Martine for years. I've also known you as well, Amanda. And uh, I will say it was a pleasure and a joy to work with you at EUIC. Hopefully, I get a chance to work with Martine soon as well at a Play Pokemon cast. Do I have a favorite? I, uh, that's yes. so unfair.
0: Yes, you do. That's this such this podcast question. is all about yep. controversial questions. We're that's trying right. to make each other look bad
1: we're luring you
2: in (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, no uh amanda actually told me before the show she said each episode gets progressively meaner towards (laughs) smart so yeah uh, that's true (laughs) very yes (laughs) yes we need to make jokes there so so uh what i'll say is is uh you're equally my favorites he's playing it so safe amanda i know i know know.
1: that's him he's got this wholesome appearance
2: well, I listened to the House Stark episode and I took some notes. He was incredibly <laughs> neutral. <laughs> I'm gonna try to do the same thing.
0: All right, Chief. I have a like I said, I have a list of things here that I want to talk to you about. You're you're one of the OGs as well, right? You started quite early with PvP. Can you talk about uh, Can you talk about the beginning of content creation for you?
2: Yeah, of course. So. When I first started making content, oh my gosh, years ago now, uh, I watched Purple Kyogre's videos and King's videos. And I always felt like their videos were great, but there was a lot more uh, room in the Pokemon Go space to make more content. And the first video I ever made, I remember I just wrapped up uh, regionals in Tampa and didn't do too well. I think I had like a, you know. 3-2 or something like that. Nothing nothing spectacular. But essentially, I just went over to my bedroom, I sat down on my bed, I held my phone up to my face, and I just talked through the footage. And I did an all recording, and I had a video recording. And I just wanted to talk about my thought process, how the game worked, uh, why I think I won or lost, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And I think I've told this story a couple times, but I've always approached Pokemon Go and content creation in general as a way to grow the game. I really think it's an incredibly enjoyable game. It's really fun. It's very accessible. And I feel like I I want more people to play it. That's how you keep a game alive. That's how you keep a game growing by bringing new people into it. And I felt like if there was good content, people would find it even more accessible and then they would join. So that's always been my mission is to bring more people into the game because I heckin' love it. I know you do too.
1: Woke. Uh, let's keep this family friendly, okay? Uh, speediest here. We, we can't use uh, vulgar language like heckin' on this podcast.
2: All right. I'll try to tune it down for 1810 (laughs) audiences.
1: But, yeah, I mean, really, you took off from there. Like uh, like Martin said, you are really one of the first people that everyone has known within this community. And then you kind of solidified your name as a PvP expert when you became, like, the first SILF champion. Can you walk us through how that came about as well?
2: I just... I want to emphasize that If you look at my record from 2021 in Silph Arena in general, it's not very good. I had a really bad uh, Forest Cup, if I recall. I had some really good cups, some really bad cups. I feel like uh, it just takes a little stroke of luck and a little bit of uh, studying and a little bit of the right moment for a person. And I don't know. I mean, I I look back at it and the World Championships was really an accident. That was not my intention. I've always been competitive, but I was never... Martine's level. I was never, you know, Wadage's level. I was never somebody who could just go to a competition and just sweep at any given moment. That was never me. I was always kind of middle of the pack. But uh, I think that during that run in particular, it just took just a few things to just line up. Uh, whether it was really diving into the meta, understanding it, doing way more screams than I'd ever done before, uh, talking with really talented friends like Jingles and Arrow, or just screaming my my brains out uh, repeatedly. There, I remember. There's a moment in the World Championships when Vintuski had his uh, Machamp, and he had, uh, goodness, I forget the third. Maybe it was Mantine. And essentially, I predicted that there was a Machamp in the back, and I sent in Obstagoon versus Mantine. And I remember King was just losing his mind, like, "Oh my God, how did he know? This is a crazy prediction." Well, I'll tell you the secret. I had a notebook, and I was writing down the teams that my friends used when they used my opponent's teams. I said, "Hey." Uh, Pretend to be Ventuski for me. Pretend to be Mehran P. Pretend to be these trainers. And I wrote down all the teams they use. And I said, you know what? Based on what I've seen over these three or four days of scrims, there's a Machamp back there. And that's just how I knew because it was experiential. And I think everyone has their own kind of method. Somebody like though ThoTentacle or House Stark could wake up any day and win the World Championship just because they're that freaking good. But for somebody like me, it was more like a a Batman approach. I had to prep. Tons and tons and tons of prep.
0: Uh, I'm just going to straight up disagree with you there. Um, if you win uh, a world championship, uh, that, that just doesn't really happen just like that because it's a long road to, uh, to, to winning silver worlds, no? And as you say, a lot of scrims, mm. that all comes with it. Um, yeah. If you were to do it again, is ancient, would you do it the same approach? And could
1: uh, you do yeah. It again?
2: Uh, could I do it again? That that's a big question, right? Because, um. One of the pieces of inspiration that I took, and I think a lot of trainers do this, we saw this, uh, I'm I'm just going to infer this, we saw this with Wadage in Hartford. When you go up against your friends who you know are very, very talented and very good and you beat them, there's almost like this this carrying over of the willpower of the energy from that friend that you beat and you almost feel like my God, I just beat House Stark. He's so much better than me as a player. If I don't win this next round, I'm going to let him down. I'm going to let all my friends down that have come before me that I've beaten. So I think, you know, when, when Wadaj was just knocking off competitor after competitor, it kind of felt that way. Like he was taking that energy, carrying it on, and they were kind of cheering for him. You know, Magic Mason was like, go get him, man. Go qualify. And I felt that same way uh, with Worlds. You know, I just kept on going higher and higher, and I just felt like uh, if I don't continue to just just try my best no matter what, it's just not gonna make a difference. So yeah, it was a uh, it's a pretty wild time. Could I do it again? I don't know. I got a uh, I got pretty lucky.
1: I I have to this kind of leads into a point that I was gonna bring up a little bit later. It's not that you were lucky, I think you're a very, very talented battler, but you and Caleb Peng have been having a lot of bets lately about like who. Maybe it's not the better battler per se, but it's like, maybe who can reach legend first in go battle mm-hmm. league or all these things. And you repeatedly keep losing these bets. Well, are mm. you losing them for content? Are you losing them uh, <laughs> just because you feel bad for Caleb, but he doesn't have enough self-esteem in other parts of his life. <sighs> so you feel like you need to uh, help him out here or
2: can I take both of those answers and make those <laughs> answers? Um, yeah, no, so so the whole the whole bet system with with Caleb is pretty interesting because I've really shifted my focus away from being ultra competitive. I don't scrim nearly as much. I don't play my sets every day. I'm really focused on the casting. I think that's always been my bread and butter ever since I first sat down in my bed and recorded that regionals recap. I just really wanted to You know, be a voice that kind of help people to rationalize games, work through them, improve, learn from my mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like the casting is really where I shine in particular because I've never been a hardcore competitor. I never, I never raced a legend like Arrow just right out of the gate. I've never been rise to occasion that, you know, gets legend with just wacky teams and or a two of butter spice lord who's just always winning with, with the craziest setups. I've never been that kind of that kind of uh, trainer. I've always been, like I said, I think of myself as middle of the pack. Maybe you two disagree. But yeah, first of all, somebody's got to keep people coming back to Battlecats, right? It's, <laughs> it's got to be me, right? Secondly, uh, Caleb lives and dies by his Go Battle League performance, right? He's got a very healthy Patreon that he's worked incredibly hard to build. He's got um, just a wealth of knowledge about the game. He's incredibly talented. We saw him go to two regionals and be runner-up twice. I mean, he's cracked out of his mind, right? People like Martine, like Caleb, who can make content and cast at the same time. I don't know how you guys do it. I seriously don't know how you find the time or the bandwidth to do it, but it's tough. We just put our in all in the correct spot. And... <laughs> I think that's
1: actually what it is.
2: For real. But no, 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 no. No no, no disrespect to, to Caleb at all. But the bets are kind of fun, but I always take like a lighthearted approach. But uh, to your point, Amanda, yeah, I think it's very important to him to win. He thinks about it. I mean, you know you've made it. When the Caleb Peng posts his his obligatory legend post on Twitter and tags you, that's when you know that you've made it into prime time.
0: I have the same with Kevin Cellularis.
2: Yeah. There you go. See, that's when you know.
0: Um I have uh, speaking of bets with Caleb, I've a really a question that I think everyone is dying to know about. How mm-hmm. does did it feel to like I I know you I've known you always with a beard. How do you to not <laughs> yeah. have a beard for a
2: while? I just didn't recognize you anymore. I know. I didn't recognize myself. Uh, no. So um, with the whole beard thing, I grew it out during the pandemic and it was my, um, uh, yeah, it was my first time actually having a beard. I didn't know how long it would take to grow back. And that was one of the questions I had for myself, but it came back within less than a month. So there's that, right? I can recover from something like that. It's not a big deal. And it was a huge event, right? A lot of people were talking about it, even our producers, at the play Pokemon uh, tournaments, we talking about it, and it was just you know great piece of of hashtag content to get people engaged. And uh, would I do would I do that bet again? No, I think enough people gave me the feedback that uh, the beard. I actually got feedback from a, from a dear friend who said that I lost charisma points without the beard. That was tough. That was tough to hear.
1: Because there's some of the other bets that also have taken place. Uh, I just saw that there was a Twitter uh, account being created that was called has speedy eaten the hot chip and the only post is no
2: (laughs) yeah no i I actually confronted caleb i was like dude is this your burner account (laughs) he said no and i said yeah okay sure uh and then he he turned into like a game within a game he actually sent a message that was a discord it was a screenshot of a discord message and he cropped out who sent it and he said you have three guesses to guess who sent this and if you don't get it right i'm never gonna tell you he's like making a game out of a game out of a game i'm just like come on dude when does it end it doesn't need to be like this this cycle i don't care that much (laughs) but yeah hot chip bet still needs to happen that thing is that thing is nuclear took it out of the package smelled it it's nuclear
0: I actually really do like Caleb's approach to uh, all of these betting things. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can learn uh, one or two things to mm. uh, torture Amanda the same way uh, okay. in that sense.
1: Here's the thing. Like I am a super competitive person, but I also know my limits. So it's sure. like if I'm having a bet with Caleb and I mean, no disrespect to you, will, because I think that you're at a higher cal- you call yourself middle of the pack, then I'm like I'm a very low pack you know but if Martine is making a bet with me of who's reaching legend first i say no that's okay i i'm not taking mm. this bet unless the odds are incredible in my favor
0: i'm actually sure. not legend yet so i'm i am I might be washed up i, I don't know i'm just saying uh, I'm, yeah. I'm
1: also not legend yet should we actually make this bet <laughs> oh, how, how I mean far, are, how I mean
2: far I mean
1: are you off i'll shave my beard and you can <laughs> okay, be okay okay
2: okay that's fair no, Amanda, you you got to understand once you make a bet with somebody who's very competitive, it just fuels them more. Whereas, true, you, yeah. whereas you and I would make a bet be like, oh, yeah, you know, if I get to it, I get to it. I'm I'm focused on these other things in my life. As soon as you make a bet with Caleb, it's like, oh, my God, I'm like living and breathing this next set of GPL. Like, I'm I'm focused. I'm turning everything off. No screens, no cats, nothing. I got to win. And he's just like all in on it. And it's just not my approach. Just be honest. Have you discussed this on uh, Battle Cats as well? Is, is that the same approach you That's had there? <laughs> Yeah, sure. No, no, no. I, I've I've said it before. Like the the bets are fun, right? It gets people engaged. It's funny, that kind of stuff. Uh, and also, I will say there was a there was a photo of me that we used in the caster announcement, and I got some feedback from friends that said I looked like a used car salesman in the photo. <laughs> <laughs> I was really upset. I was like, "What are you talking about? I don't." I don't see it at all. Um, he's, he's never shaving it off again. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I look like a used car salesman. I was like, come on. But then if you think about Battle Cats and how these bets arise, it's like it's like I, I made a challenge for myself to get top 10 on the leaderboards. And then Caleb hijacked it like, like it was a heist. And he was like, why don't we make it a little more entertaining? A little, Why don't we give you a little more motivation? How about if you have to shave your beard if you don't get it? How about that? And then I'll do something too. He, he hijacked my own personal thing into a bet for us. So there it is. I have one last question about it. What, what did Morita
0: think sure. of you without beard?
2: Did not like it.
0: Did not like it. Did but she that's also good. Say you're a Carl salesman? Yeah, now you have the feedback, right? You have the feedback now.
2: No, no, no. It's good because if she liked the no beard, I would really be screwed, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. then you can't really grow it back.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd be in trouble. So it checked out. It was fine.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so the next topic uh, that I have here, Chief, for you is uh, factions. Sure. You used to be in a team with Panic. Um, mm-hmm. well, I think it was Mazer Gaming, right? Can tell us about your experience uh, in, in factions or with that, uh, with Mazer in general?
2: Yeah, of course. So I just I just want to preface it by saying that uh, Nick is one of my – actually, I don't know if how many people know this, but Nick is one of my closest friends in the community. He's actually a really, really solid guy. I don't know how Wait, he manages Time everything. out.
1: Are you saying he's closer with you than me and Mark Time?
2: I never said that. Hey, are you reading too much? Whoa. All right. All
1: right. Please continue.
2: <laughs> On our own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> My gosh, just cancel the episode. Just just find someone else to interview. But no, um, no, Nick Nick is actually a really solid guy. He's got a full-time job. He's just got a, a new baby that that uh, just came along. And he's got all these other things, you know, he coaches soccer, he's got all these other things in his life that he manages. I don't know how he does it. It's really pretty impressive. But uh, Nick essentially assembled a super team on Mazer. This is before, you know, the I guess Stadium Elite has always been elite right but this was one of the early super super factions teams but he brought on people like two of butters like rise like Dunebug, like myself you know just recruiting these high caliber players and it's pretty tough because i think i think there's something to be said about how teams actually work together personality wise versus just assembling really really talented people there's sure. a big difference right like you see this in the nba all the time you can bring in a bunch of superstars who do really well individually but then when you put them together They don't exactly have the same kind of success. I never had any problems with any of my teammates. I'm still friends with all of them, uh, regardless. But I will say that it's not as easy as just pulling a bunch of superstars together. There's a lot of uh, management that you have to do. And uh, my time on on Mazer Factions was really fun. This was kind of post-world, so I guess I was on on the, the downside a little bit, kind of on the verge of being washed, so I didn't scrim nearly as much as I should have. Uh, but it was great to have these incredible teammates. Like, like I really got to insight on how Doombug's brain works. He knows all the energy counts for the fast and charge attacks. So if you like made up a random combination, how many hexes to a thunderbolt, he could tell you. How many, how many, you know, mud shots into a flash cannon, he could tell you. And Rise is also just situationally, I think Butter said this on the cast yesterday for Continentals. Rise is just one of the best people you can look for to be on a team call. He always says exactly the right thing. Very succinctly, doesn't waste any time or space. Keeps the energy counts in his mind. Very, very smart. Uh, Butters locks in way too fast. Butters, if you're listening, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> and we're like, oh, let's talk about the team composition. And Butters is like, no, I got an idea. Let's go. And he locks in his team. And we're like, we didn't even get to discuss it. So it's, it was definitely entertaining. Um, I don't know if this answers your question or not, Martine, but it was it was a fun experience for sure.
1: And I know that you've started to listen to the podcast as well. So you know that we're about controversial takes. Let's say that you are now a manager of a factions team, and maybe you're playing on it. You're like a, you're sort of like a panic. Who would you put together now for your like all-star factions team?
2: All-star is this region locked? Is this what is this? No, you
1: you can you can go global. You've you've casted a lot, but I mean, let's be fair. You probably have seen a lot more North American players, so we won't fault you if you choose to go mostly local for you.
2: Oh my gosh! I mean, how do you even? I don't know. I don't even know where you start. I mean, obviously, you you take the youngins. You take Wadaj and Hot Pocket. You take uh, Martine. You take uh, Panic in Ultra League. Uh, Master League, you probably take Jangles 21. Um, Open Great League, you don't take Pranav. He's like the last on my list. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. I agree. I agree. I, oh. <laughs> I ain't okay. I ain't okay, love. <laughs> I'll, I'll love to to print off. But uh you probably take DFH for Great League. Um it's so tough. There's so many trainers. I've gotten to know so many, not only through Play Pokemon, but also through GBLA and the leaderboards tracking. It's really insane the depth of talent that we have.
1: You just brought that up. So that uh we'll give you a freebie on that. We won't make you go through the whole roster of who you would pick. But tell us a little bit about GBLA for those who maybe aren't as familiar with this because this is like a quote, grassroots. Um, tournament format that uh, maybe people who are into play Pokemon don't understand that there's other formats that people are also playing within Pokemon Go.
2: Yeah, sure. So I feel like GBLA has been around for quite a while. Uh, We've done, I think, seven seasons. We're coming up on the eighth season, which will probably launch in September, if I had to guess, maybe... october somewhere around there but uh gbla essentially takes the top eight trainers from the go battle league leaderboards You put them in a single elimination bracket the meta reflects the meta that's currently available in go battle league and the concept was was originally created by math magic he put out a tweet i know we have some some math magic tweet enjoyers probably listening right now they've been some fantastic copy pastas i over love the, years. the quizzes <laughs> the quizzes are so good uh nobody puts in the wrong answer on purpose right right
1: no never um
2: never <laughs> But uh, that being said, it was originally his idea. It was a great idea, right? A way to bring people together. And it was really tough in the early goings. Martine will remember this. So many hours of just like searching for people on Sylph, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Reddit. I've I've even found people on Instagram before to bring them into the tournament, just trying to find these trainers from around the world. But yeah, it's been really fun. We've given out over $7,000 in prize money over seven seasons. PV Poke is our primary sponsor, but we also had Bad Hand, Jonathan Kelly, uh Panic as sponsor. We have a lot of friends that have joined in on it as well. And uh I still remember that that season 1 grand finals. That was really really impressive. Like 750 viewers, uh, I think is what we maxed out, which is crazy for a grassroots stream. But uh yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of fun.
0: I just think that there was a lot of hype around finally some more incentive for you know top go battle league players because currently yeah. it's it only rewards you with longer queue times. Uh I can tell you I'm dropping really fast when I'm waiting for my battles.
2: Of course, of course. Yeah, the queue times are, are ridiculous. That's why you see a lot of younger trainers. I think I forget who said it. Uh there's a trainer that said, "Yeah, I'm I'm young, so I basically had no life. I can just sit at my house and just wait for cues. I, or... I think it was Don. I think it was
0: Don. Yeah.
1: Maybe it was him. Yeah.
2: yeah he yeah. always has
0: halt takes uh, or says it in that way. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. So, kind of going off of grassroots t- uh, tournaments, Sylph just ended, right? I mean, and also like we talked about, you were the Sylph world champion. You said you just casted the the finals for Sylph as well. Do you have any hopes for grassroots tournaments for Pokemon Go in the future? I mean, are you connected with anything going forward? Or what do you think that I I know I'm asking a lot of questions within this like small concept here. But what are some tips to get people more involved and keep people involved in Pokemon Go PvP?
2: So I feel like this is a make or break moment for pokemon go pvp in a lot of ways i think the next season starting in september is going to tell us a lot about where we head as a community because yeah sylph arena was our guiding light for so many years it's what organized everything my my only battles before sylph arena were basically uh i had a friend a local in tampa we play one great league match one ultra league match and one master league match and that would be our our battling for the day we just get our, our interaction whatever else and That was, you know, prior to Sylph and then Sylph comes along, everything gets a lot more organized. Then we start to see Sylph-esque cups in Go Battle League, right? We see theme cups. If you remember back to the early seasons, it was literally just open leagues uh, all all the time, just a rotation of open leagues. And then it, you know, started to switch and evolve and become more specialized. So I think that uh, there are some exciting projects coming out i think zygarde uh, zygarden i know that we've updated the name a few times and draco Viz, i think are probably the two flag bearers right now but i do have concerns I, i'm concerned that sylph was like this unifying flagship organization and when you have a flagship grassroots meta it's it it's kind of like a signal where everyone needs to go to actually compete and join and meet. And then you have like spin off organizations. Like I think that No Fun Pain Done does incredible work with the Unified Group. I think that Martine's Open Great Leagues are incredibly valuable. And I wish those got even more exposure. I feel like. Uh, there are these team formats. Draft League from Pogo Raiders is really, really huge as well. Uh, there's too many to mention and there's all these spinoff leagues, but I think that having a unified grassroots is really critical. And I don't think you can just create a website and just say, okay, if you want to find a tournament, come here. For example, like when's the last time you went to Chalange and you just Googled or not Google, but you searched Pokemon Go tournament in Chalange. You never do that. Don't lie. Don't, don't lie. Nobody's.
0: I, I didn't know that was possible.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> see, no, nobody's ever done that. So, like, there are some ideas to just build a flat platform and just let people host there. But I think you need that flagship. You need that that leading format that everyone can gravitate towards. Otherwise, it just feels kind of directionless, you know. So, I think um, on the flip side of that, there are play Pokemon locals, which I think are really going to ramp up over this next season. We've seen some trainers like Jjan receive the NAIC travel uh, reward in order to go attend in Columbus. I think that's big. I think that for Pokemon Go trainers in general, we're so used to getting very little from our uh, developer, our leadership uh, with, you know, in, in Niantic. We're so used to getting very little, like kind of like scraps or crumbs, that it feels like when Play Pokemon comes in and says, yeah, we're going to give you $750 just to go to Columbus. And if you win this tournament, you're going to get a paid trip to Japan. And you're going to get this and that. And it's, it's mind-blowing, right? It's crazy. And I think that uh, TPCI is all full steam ahead. They are all in, all hands on deck. They see this game becoming part of the larger Pokemon ecosystem that could become huge in three to five years' time. This could become one of the biggest esport properties in the world in three to five years' time. So it's kind of like this this rubber banding, this bipolar situation we feel like sometimes... Our developer just kind of does the bare minimum, or or maybe we feel like they should do more, and they have all these other projects they're working on, so the attention's so divided. But at the same time, TPCI is like, yeah, we're going all in. This is hundred percent what we want, and we're gonna, you know, invest money and time and effort and manpower and everything else. So, yeah, this is a make or break moment for Pokemon Go PVP, and I hope this next season uh, goes well.
0: That's uh, that's a lot of things you're already covering before I even got to ask. Uh... <laughs> uh, um.
2: Amanda Amanda's asking me these onion questions <laughs> with so many layers.
0: Well, I, I I do feel the same way about that. Um indeed TPCI is investing a lot of uh investing a lot of this, right? Um I think that currently this is a big play Pokemon's a big motivator for a lot of top uh, top PvP battles, right? Because before there was only really Sylph and I think play yep. Pokemon's really uh, not really per se taking it over, but just um co to still make 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 top uh competitive pvp possible um yeah. so now that we're already going uh towards this way um i want to start talking about your casting i think it's ter- no i'm
2: kidding <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay. i want to talk about how did it start for you no no I watched back um recently I watched back the 2022 EUIC cast and it's bad Martine it's real bad you check how how
0: much you improved
1: Oh, uh,
2: it's so bad i it's it's so tough like well, if it you was listen the first to time,
1: right? yeah, exactly i sure. do, i think you're being a little too hard on
2: yourself
1: you were if you were watching it as a spectator you were I mean, I know I was blown away that there was commentating already for Pokemon Go. You mm. know, that I thought it was so great. And I was like, I know these people. Uh, I know how well they're d- already doing in the community. They're community leaders. This is so cool. Like, I, I, I never once thought while I was watching it, eek. Not doing so hot.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we're all our own worst critics, right? Like uh, Martine would probably think about, you know, a tournament that he he didn't do as well as he could have, or a misplay, or Amanda, you'll probably think about a cast. You say, oh, I wish I would have done this or done that. I think we're all our, our own worst critics. So I do appreciate the kind words, but I feel like, uh, you know, measuring ourselves and trying to improve is really important. Uh, the casting, uh, I remember, and JR Honda, our, our mutual friend, will always tell this story. Uh, he actually came down to Orlando for our mega tournament back right before the uh, the pandemic kind of upended our world in uh, in 2020, and um, he came down to essentially run the stream. and Miss Bissick was there. Uh, we had I think Jay Farmakis and AJ Pilot were our casters. Uh, King was there as well. So many incredible incredible trainers just all gathered there. And this was, you know, Silferina was ramping up. This was the return, or this is not the return, but essentially like the introduction of these mega tournaments. And we had, I think it was like 230 people come to this tournament, sign up. And I was part of finding the venue, uh, working with Lyndon, Kachinamum, Jingles, and other uh, Florida locals to, to basically like facilitate this whole thing. And Jarrah Honda will always tell the story that he was walking around and he, he stumbled upon me. And I was standing there outside of the caster booth looking in the window, and I saw J-Farm and, and AJ Pilot casting. And he said, he, he said something innocuous to me, like, hey, what do you think? Or something like that. And I just said, Honda, if I could just do that one time, if I could just do one mega tournament, I'd be so happy. That would just make it for me for the whole year. I would never uh, want anything else. Just cast one tournament. And he said, okay. And now, of course uh, <laughs> the landscape has yes, changed all a the little trainers. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well not the big ones, Amanda, you take, you keep taking all the big ones. You need to share a uh, little bit yeah. here.
1: What can I say? when you got it, you got it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, no, I've always, I've always enjoyed casting and it's not something I thought I'd ever do, but now that I have it, um, there was actually really a really pointed moment in London last year because, uh, we were recording the, the end of Caleb's vlog for London. And Caleb said, what do you want to tell yourself five years from now? It's like, oh man, five years this is such a loaded question. This is, you know, one of those uh, cliche things that you you always hear about. And I thought about five years from now, not casting, and that feeling that I got, it just broke my heart to think about not doing it anymore. Like having my last cast, it made me a little bit emotional. It's like, oh, I don't even want to imagine that, and how that goes. So, I don't know. I think you can tell a lot about how important something is to you when you imagine your life without it. And, uh, yeah, it's really, really important to me right now. I don't know if you can tell or not.
1: I think, honestly, I mean, uh, all of us have had had chances to cast things, and we are I would put you up, um, I I think you're like the benchmark that a lot of people go off of uh, globally for what they think of when they think of Pokemon Go casting. So, I mean, whether you see it about yourself or not, maybe also you consider yourself middle of the pack in casting like you do PvPing. But uh, yeah, I mean.
0: I, no, I think it's I, kind I, of the face of. Uh, yeah, exactly.
1: The, I think that uh,
0: the beard face, yeah.
1: A lot of <laughs> be- a lot of us uh, of have a lot. To, we we look up to you in a lot of ways when it comes to this. It's uh, able to benchmark and be. I know that I've learned a lot from you, and even working with you in an official capacity at EUIC uh, was was different because we have worked together in the past too. We've done like sure. a lot of grassroots things together. But on the on the different stage, it was really like I was like, this is something special. And I was glad I got to share that
2: moment. Shoot, why is this this podcast is getting too emotional? We need to get more controversial in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to yeah.
0: do that? You want to do that, Chief? All right. Amanda, sure, sure. who's, well, you who's your favorite? Who's you partner to work with? Oh no!
2: <laughs> oh no! No, I, I remember uh, Jim did an episode. I think it was the first one uh, you, the, you two hosted together mm-hmm. with wholesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was listening back to the episodes, and he mentioned me, and I was like, oh. It's actually really really sweet. well we
0: started with gbla a full season right so it was a good experience especially with nightwing in the back man when we we're oh like, when nightwing in the back oh that man is just screaming out. yes And you trying to look fire. that
2: serious dude it's great practice right? it's so it's so good it's so good yeah if if chat could hear the profanities that were spoken <laughs> it's it's something else
0: well but but literally though, like like one of the things I have during casting or even just talking, if someone uh, like just mentions something briefly through the headset, right, like like from production, um, I, I just fall a little bit out of of sync, you know. Mm. And I think Nightwing just being so
2: distracting, I think that really helped me uh, at, at 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 times. For, for, we for the uh, you and, and I. I- you and I casted uh, a GBLA tournament this past season, and I could see it Martin. I mm-hmm. could, I could see that you were just rolling with the punches. Nightwing was was on his usual nonsense, <laughs> and you were just rolling with it. I was like, man, this is a true sign of a professional. And then uh, if you work with newer casters, I'm sure you both have experienced this, and production does talk to you. they you know, they stop talking or there's mm-hmm. like a, a gap or a hiccup or something goes wrong. I think that's an art to it as well, because as a caster, as all three of us know, there are so many things going on in the background, right? There's maybe a dispute going on, or maybe you're waiting for results from one particular matchup, or maybe there are these topics you need to talk about, or the events in the game and productions telling you, oh, sorry, but your, your cable is like over your shirt. You need to get that back there. And then you're dealing with like 12 different things at the same time. It can be pretty tough.
1: Uh, Martijn and I have this horrible thing where it's like whenever we're casting together, something uh, technology-wise is going wrong. And then we're just like dancing <laughs> for like 40 minutes. So they're like, oh, yeah, just stop. Yep. Uh, and then the, the last one in Turin was actually the worst when it's like the stream just yeah. stopped. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Happens. It's, yeah. Uh... Happened to Butters and Caleb at Worlds.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think
0: I think our synergy was just too electrifying. Yeah, exactly. All the exactly. power turned off. Yeah, it was like,
1: too good, too good. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, all right, I have two more topics that I have here, Chief. Um, another one sure. is uh, competing. Mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of casters of, of the main casters. I think uh, I think Caleb and DeFi regularly, and yeah. Alfeep also regularly uh, competes,
2: right? But I've not seen you, Butters, Wholesome, Gabby. Where are you guys? So, Phoebe has actually completed the trifecta. He's casted, he's judged, and competed, which is pretty impressive. I think Nexus Ilya has done the same thing. So, a few people have been able to pull that off, but not very many. So, yeah, I'd love to compete. I I honestly feel like I've gotten to a point now. I I actually had this realization yesterday, actually, that... I'm going to try to relearn a lot of things about how to play, and I'm going to try to take more of a doombug approach, where I study energy uh, in terms of actual digits, not just counts. I, I actually am a bit more aware of certain things going on in the game. I'm really trying to remodel my my knowledge, and hopefully, next season can compete. This season we had 15, if I'm not mistaken, 15 North American regionals, and. If my weekend isn't spent going to the regional, then, you know, maybe I go see uh, Morita in Mexico City or maybe I'm working on things around the house or maybe, you know, I'm doing other things. So it's tough to attend every single regional because you're basically eating up every single weekend and you've got the regular work week as well. So it's definitely challenging. But I think uh, personally, I think Wholesome would probably do the best out of the three of us. I don't know if that's controversial. I think Wholesome would absolutely crush it if he actually competed.
1: I think that's true as well. He's a very, very good. But not that again, not that you're not. But if you this is another is fun, controversial hey. tank. Speedy, this this is another good content that we can put just on this podcast. Rank the North America casters in PvP skill.
2: Mm. Um, I have to say Caleb at the top. I have to put Jim right behind him. Now This is so tough because I feel like I'm going to leave someone out. I have to put North American casters. So that includes Phoebe, DeFi. Mark's son. Mark's son as well. <laughs> Mark's son's a character. I, I've got stories about Mark. Um, yeah, I've
0: heard him too. <laughs> that he, can, he can be very energetic.
2: <laughs> when Mark plays his own Go Battle League matches, he's like the most invested uh and just so excited and so hyped and i hope he's able to bring more of that into the cast because uh, he's a really fun guy to be around especially when he plays his own games uh caleb jim i probably put butters and then uh, honestly probably butters then phoebe then myself and then um uh, yeah this is really tough because i feel like now i'm picking favorites who I-, I put mark at the bottom because he never plays his games <laughs> mark's at the bottom i'll say that
1: that's fair that's fair Martine, you want to do it for the eu
0: yeah <laughs> let's hear it uh european casters who do we have right now um
1: you at the top for sure
0: i guess i guess i did pretty well uh, based on this season yeah based on last season i'm at the bottom um <laughs>
1: I would say it would go you, and then Count Xavius, probably, maybe yeah, well, maybe, I, I, maybe Ilya. But yeah. Ilya doesn't also play very much anymore. He's yeah. more into the you um, know,
0: you know who I think yeah. improves a lot, hmm. Leo. Leo a lot. He's Leo, been, Leo, he's Leo been improved soon. a lot. every time there's a top competitor around him, he's like, "Yo, you want to practice? You want to scream? Like, you know, he just wants nice. to get a taste of, uh, of you know, how good ballers play. Like, and he's
1: three wants- ing Lurgan Rocket at the bar, he did. but. My- <laughs> Let's be fair, Lurgan. Uh, Lurgan. <laughs> there was a bit of a handicap there as well, I think.
2: Oh, uh, what about what about nighttime Clasher? He actually made top oh, cut dang. in the
1: US. Thing like yeah, he's he's pretty decent. Uh, that was kind of fun that he came over. I don't know if he will come over for Europe anymore again. I don't know if we. I don't actually know what qualifies right because uh, this mm. this last season we was more like a grassroots almost for play pokemon in europe but uh, hopefully next season we can become a little more like polished as well when it comes to casting and then we can do a whole mm. who's the best uh, pvpers out of all of the casters uh, globally
2: i was i was talking with nighttime clasher at uh, at fresno and he said he's basically collecting He's basically casting mobile games like Thanos collects Infinity Stones. He's like, Yeah, I did I did Brawl Stars and I did this and I did that and I'm trying to like get Pokemon Go as well. And he's just like collecting all of them, all the mobile games is pretty fun. Do
1: you know what's so funny about that dude? Is like so we met him and he's so quiet, he's so shy, like a, yeah. a really, really nice, studious kid. And then the camera was on him because he was filming the small like tips segment and he just turned it on. You know, yeah. all, and like the whole room just stopped and looked at him because we're like, "That's coming out of that guy," and it was yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, he's definitely a very nice guy.
0: Um, all right. Um, into the next topic that I have for you, Chief. What are your Let's expectations for the next season? Mm. The next play Pokemon season.
2: Any spoilers? <sighs> expectations? It, sorry. This is this is a broad a broad question. What 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 are you thinking of? I want to you know everything. Expectations? Yeah. Everything, okay.
0: Um, so I I, I think championship points are going to be introduced more. I think some of it is already sure. on the website, right? Perhaps something oh. with that. Do we expect like Swiss formats for next season? Like we've ran that. Uh, apparently that was ran in the Japanese qualifier as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like what what kind of adaptations and also like keep in mind that TCG and VGC could be used as comparison as well because you know they've been running longer and maybe their system yeah. is a little bit more ideal.
2: Yeah, so uh, obviously without, without revealing any private conversations that I've had, I think that Swiss is on the radar. I think that's definitely something that uh, they'd like to move towards soon. I don't know if it'll happen next season, but hopefully soon. Um, I think one thing you didn't mention that I think has a very good chance of happening is probably open team sheets. Mm-hmm. I think that could like be... That. Yeah, that could be something that comes into play, especially because you think about all the players on stream that are really disadvantaged by having everyone watch them and then not knowing their opponent's movesets when they come off stream can be very tough. But then at the same time, you won't have the Michael Staraka moment at PJCS where he grassed on at a Swampert and rock-sided a, a Paliper or a Charizard or whatever. You won't have that with Mew because people will know your moveset, your set, So it's going to be very tough to surprise people. Yeah. Um, I think that um, in terms of other expectations, I really am, I'm really really hopeful to see what locals do. I think that Niantic has expressed that they want to get invested in locals. They feel like the local activation is what Niantic is all about. And I agree. And I would love to see them invest because that's what their whole mantra is, getting people out, especially the local communities. I think that's going to be really critical to see how that takes off. Uh, I would love to see content creators, I I actually haven't told anybody about this, I would love to see content creators do what King did back in 2018, 2019, where he went out to different tournaments, like, oh my god, King is going to be in Philly, and that's where he discovered House Stark, right? Or King is going to go to Texas, and that's where Valor Ash was playing. And actually, creators going and spotlighting these local tournaments and reviving the communities locally, I think that's going to be really important. That people do that i would intend people i, I would encourage people like rise like home Size henry like inadequance like uh even poky taxi to go to these local tournaments and make content out of it i think that would be really important um i think we're gonna have another trainer that wins two regionals i think that'll happen i think wadaj won one regional in nic right he's the only one to do it
0: uh yeah yeah that's true that's correct
2: um, I think oh, this is tough it's such a broad question Um, I think Carbink will be hot for for a little while and then hopefully other things are introduced that kind of smolder that what, what's going to happen to that?
0: Charizard when Carbink is uh, going to be allowed
2: Charizard's going to have a really tough time I think if there's going to be a, a Shadow Charizard world champion it's got to be in Yokohama because uh Carbink means not only less Charizard, it means more mud boys, you know, more Quagsire, more Whiskash, more Swampert. Uh, and it means more ground pressure as well. It's gonna be more water too, just in general, right? Carbink still takes super effective from water, so there's that. Uh yeah. If there's gonna be a Shadow Charizard world champion, they have to be in Yokohama. I do like that you're saying though. Yeah. So I'm curious, actually. Actually, I want to turn this around on both of you. So uh, we noticed a lot this season that there were these carryovers from EU over to NA, right? I'll admit, North Americans, we don't have a whole lot of spices in our cabinet sometimes. It really feels like we are lacking in that regard. Um, Dunsparce coming over from EU. That was, you know, moderately successful. Shadow Sableye never made it across the uh, the Atlantic. We never had any Shadow Sableye success. But we did have a lot of Shadow Charizard success. It took us a few months to learn how to play it. But then we actually got pretty good with it. So I'm curious if you think any other EU picks are going to float across the uh, the ocean there.
0: Well, it's probably going to depend on uh, if we get updates for next season, right? Um, mm. The way I saw it, and I also mentioned that in my interview on day two on Hartford. Right, um, is that Americans seem to approach the meta a little bit safer, right? Uh, and the Europeans tend to like try to bring one or two core based on some more flex picks. And uh, I think at some point the Americans were like, like in Hartford, unfortunately, I faced yeah. five Basidons there. Um, <laughs> but they were like, you know what, we're just gonna do it better than them. And they brought all the things, right? So I'm not sure if that's honestly location based as well. Um, but definitely when a Pokemon like Shadow Charizard is uh being so dominant in so in multiple regionals, that's gonna carry over to other players as well, right? When you see that a Charizard lead is incredible against a Shadow Swampert and then just burns yep. whatever is behind it as well.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's just
0: gonna make you want to use it too, right? And I'm and for that reason, like I think a lot of people are going to adapt that. I I'm also curious if like the Apex community is also watching that kind of uh, stuff, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. um, lately in my Open Great League practice tournament, I have uh, a, a couple Japanese, actually. I, I think I had 10 Japanese uh, in there at, at at one point. Wow. And they they do have a little bit of, of a different approach. They use more Dragonite. They use, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very little Charity, actually. More Dragonite, Altaria, Sandslash, Venusaur, that kind of stuff that we don't see a lot of mm-hmm. in, in Europe. Um yeah, I'm. I'm just wondering if they also observe those things that are used in our regionals, and that's uh, that might just clash a little bit in Yokohama. I think we're gonna have like <laughs> on one side a lot of as the flyer from Europe, uh-huh, and then we uh-huh. have the Japanese. They bust out all the Dragonites.
1: Ooh, that's what I'm
0: be kind of fun. expecting. Yeah. I,
1: yeah, I remember last year at Worlds when it was like, yeah, yeah, no one had the opportunity really to see any of the Asian players play before, and then they just like went to town on a Europe and NA. It's like Rise getting like. The knock down the losers bracket round one. And everyone's like, I don't know any of these names, but they were just like <laughs> crushing the whole bracket. Uh, another Pokemon that I think that we use more in Europe, but I mean, we see it sometimes as well Steel. Is Registeel. Registeel is like always yeah. seems to be picked in Europe over Galarian Stuntfisk, which seems to be more popular in North America. But it's mm-hmm. like again, like it's it's sort of like a, it's like a pendulum swing where the, you, we start to see something somewhere and then they kind of shift back yeah. and
0: forth well, as well. I, I think that was before the recent updates of Alone sensors, Then there was like way more Registeel in Europe in Europe and mm-hmm. way more yeah. g in NA. Um, and then with the update, it shifted again. I don't remember exactly what the reason was for more Registeel. Think uh, I can't remember real quick. Uh probably because of ice types, right? Because of ice types, uh, Registeel just does better against it's- that. And yeah, yeah, and now with Charizard being so dominant, we might see more Galarian Stunfisk again,
1: back again. Yeah, so
0: yeah, interesting shift. Interesting. I I can go on for hours for this, but
1: (laughs) no, I
2: think you're spot on. I think it was the Rise in Ice, and I think it was also uh, the Rise in Water Gun Lantern making Galarian Stunfisk less safe. Uh, and I guess third is is the prominence of Swampert, especially Shadow Swampert, because Glare Stunfisk really struggles there. Sure, an earthquake can can get a knockout there, but Registeel with a little energy lead can potentially double Focus Blast if you don't land your earthquake right away. So, yeah, definitely a lot of, a lot more flexibility there, and the knockdowns as well. It's just so much easier to be knocked out with
0: and Registeel. And the Zeros uh, against Manectham, right? Also pretty huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah you
1: can exactly. So while we're talking about worlds and I, I will I mean sure. seriously we can talk to you for hours, uh, but we will we'll keep it to only seven hours like we discussed earlier.
2: Yeah, only seven. <laughs> okay. So we're we're one seventh of the way there.
1: Yeah. But uh I I we have kind of a typical question that we ask on the podcast. And while we're already discussing worlds, I feel like it's kind of led up to this point. So who in the community of PVPers would you consider a cribrawler? And this is someone who is um, maybe not super well known in the PvP community, but you see them as like a good player, maybe a scrappy player, a potential up-and-comer. And then who do you see as a champion Someone that you think that could potentially uh, win in Yokohama. And you can say, Martine, but I'm going to go ahead and spoil it that no one ever does. So don't feel that. That's <laughs> oh, <people. not> true. <laughs>
0: um, she's already said positive things about me.
2: Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I, and you know what? It's funny because I, I've listened to the past episodes, but I did not prepare an answer for this. So I need to think about it for just a second. It's Who's the staple question. I know, I know, but I wanted to, I wanted it to be organic. I didn't just want that's to like fair. spit out an answer, you know? Oh yeah. I I did my, my homework. Um, in terms of, in terms of a champion, um, I'm going to go ahead and choose rise. I think I know. I'm sorry, Martine. I think rise is just so incredibly consistent, so talented, and even at NAIC, forcing the 3-0 bracket reset against Mitaj, and then coming within one lick of actually winning it all in game five. It's really tough as a competitor to be so close so many times, and Rise has done that. He's 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 even said this himself. He feels like he's always in second place. And he's just like a couple of plays short of being a champion. And I really feel like if he has the right mindset, if he's confident and plays his best, he has a really, really good chance to win worlds. I don't know if there's anyone more prepared uh, than Rise. Who do I think is an up and comer that people should watch out for? That is a tough question. I'm actually, to scrolling. Good I'm scrolling. <laughs> You're, You're not an up and comer. Yeah, 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 I'm new. <laughs> You're a veteran. You're you're in the top. I'd say you're. I'd say you're easily top.
0: Uh, my my elo oh, says I'm an expert.
2: Actually, you'd be you'd be top fifteen to top twenty percent of the world's players, in my opinion. Um, who is an up and comer though? <sighs> Has anyone heard of Crimson K nineteen? I'm just kidding. Uh, Cr- Crimson's lovely. <laughs> He's Crimson's great. Lovely. I gave
0: him a lot of teams uh, for uh, for the tournaments, and he did pretty well hmm. with most of them
2: yeah no, he absolutely did um all right I feel like i'm I'm just stalling at this point i'm just i'm just feeling i'm saying words to fill time while I scroll through this list.
0: Well, that's your profession uh, at this point
2: right
1: you're so. you're That's <laughs> <laughs> true We're getting in the background uh, can you stall can you can you give us a uh... we need that's five minutes will'll
2: true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. Definitely stalling. It's just tough because a lot of these trainers have have succeeded. Um, okay, so I'm going to pick one from APAC, actually. I remember he made some incredible plays at OCIC. I'm going to choose Sniped Bra as a player that I feel like has the finesse, has the skill, expression to uh to do really well at worlds but i don't know if he can put all the pieces together in terms of consistency team reading resilience all the components that make a, a world champ i don't know if he's got all those but he's got a few really enticing uh, components yeah i i think i i
0: uh i like that uh, that pick uh i think some there's like a small portion of like australian ballers that are really freaking good like, valiant, like vish. valiant vish indeed uh rick flarian right um and there's more but and, and some of them are gonna going to be at the worlds too there are really some yeah. to look out for snipe bras definitely uh, one of them as well more you yeah, have more of the solid plays at the ocic as i remember
2: i was just i just wanted to say that i saw a comment about NAIC. And this, uh, this in- individual said, I watched NAIC grand finals with Widaj and Rise, And I basically decided to put down PVP after that because there's no way I could ever come close to how good those trainers are. So do you think there's like this intimidation factor when these, when these really talented battlers are top eight, every time they're making finals or runner up every time, do you think that limits people from feeling they should be involved? Or do you think that just is par for the course with any competitive endeavor?
0: Um, personally, I think there's a world championship for every game, and not everyone can. As as harsh as that sounds, um, yeah, the people who who make it there are top tier. I I, I could, I'm pretty good at FIFA myself. Um, FIFA, okay. Yeah, I'm. I oh, I used to be pretty good. It's been a, t- a few years now. I used to be really good at it, but a world championship no i don't think i should even get started to it but um Mm -hmm. i think that the skill level or the skill ceiling um in pokemon go is pretty manageable if if um obviously it's not easy at -hmm. times because like you have there's a lot to memorize right um but there's also a lot to practice. There's a lot to practice. There's a lot of matchups to learn. And I think that already can... Like, even even you, Spear Chief, could win the Silver World Championships, right? Even, even me. <laughs> me. Even me. If I can
2: do it, anyone can do it. Seriously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but yeah. it, it, it's just a, a perfect showcase of what you say. Like, with a lot of practice, with a lot of scrimming, with a lot of uh, knowledge, right? Uh, I think you can get far. Even, uh, even if you're, like, just new or you don't have all the Pokemon just yet. Because, obviously, a lot of time and resources... Uh, But that's with every game, I think.
1: I would say that that's my big point, that there's an inaccessibility factor, right, to Pokemon Go that I think that even if someone's watching it and they're like, this is really cool, I want to start playing tomorrow. Well, you can't. Like, uh, you know, like Leo, like he doesn't, we were talking about how good he's getting. He still doesn't have a Metacham, which is he's casted over basically every single tournament, but he's not at the level yet where he can build an XL uh, level 50... Uh, so, I mean, he he's kind of, you know, that puts him in a harder spot. And if if you want to start out like in TCG, you can buy like the world champion deck, right? You're not allowed to actually play with it in an actual tournament, but you can play with it and you can like learn different skills and you can learn different styles. There's no like play the world champions team against someone in Pokemon Go, right? Yeah. If, if you want to build that team. You have to invest resources, then you have to find one with the, the PvP IB spread that maybe you want to use. Not that that always matters, but I mean, it, it starts to. And when you get at the higher caliber, like these things can end up also being things that flip a matchup as well. So I, I get that point. I think we all are at a, a level where we're like, yeah, we're going to play it no matter what because we like mm-hmm. the game. But I do think that there's an inaccessibility an and skill level thing that could discourage people from playing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not wrong. I actually had this conversation with one of our, our TCG colleagues as well. They, they said the same thing. You could go into a store, you could buy the deck, and you could go to a regional the next weekend if you wanted to. And maybe you need a, a few more cards, but you can pick those up as well from a card shop or online for a few dollars here or there and just get the pieces that you need and you can compete. Whereas... For making a Metacham, you'd have to do 100 Mega Metacham rates or you'd have to wait for an event for half the year. I remember at GoFest Seattle, there was was a young kid who wanted to compete at the battle arena uh, there in the stadium. And he said, okay, I really want to play Umbreon. And he showed me his Eevee. He said, I want to make this into an Umbreon. And he had like 40 candies. And I was like, all right. First, you need to catch like 200 more Eevees right? Then you need to find the best IV spread. Then you need to walk your EV as your buddy for kilometers, right? And then, even if you did all that, you still have to wait until nighttime after this battle event is over to evolve it into Umbreon and then you can go back tomorrow when GoFest is already over. It's just like, there's such a, a tough barrier to even getting started, right? And this this young kid was was really fun to talk to. He had so many questions. It uh, was was an entertaining uh, kid in general. But after his 20th or 50th question, I lost count. I essentially just <laughs> took out my phone from my pocket. I said, take this, go to the Battle Tower, play whatever Pokemon you want to, just don't transfer anything yeah. and see how you do. And he ended up taking my account and winning in, in oh, the uh, in the Battle Tower.
1: That's really awesome.
2: It was really and, cool, right? And very trusting it, of you. <laughs> it just shows if if you give people the tools, then they can succeed, and and it needs to feel accessible. So, will we get to a point to your to your question earlier, Martine? will we get to a point where if you are walking by the convention center in whatever city and you see a tournament in there, will we get to the point where you can walk up to the door, buy a ticket to enter, walk over to the Pokemon Go booth, pick up a phone with preloaded Pokemon? And enter a team and register that way and compete. Will we get to that point? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe in some capacity. But would it be helpful? Yes, I think it would.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, for your answer, there, uh, Chief. And thank you for your time for for your time. Damn, I'm uh, really getting that English. Thank uh, you for <laughs> our time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. Uh, this guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Yes. Um. Thank you for coming on, uh, Speedious Chief. Again, we have another person who's den- who doesn't think I win Worlds. That's very unfortunate. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> our time. We
1: can't end the podcast yet. We have to once again talk about uh, you beating Emmy Weedle. Oh, oh.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, re- remember when uh, the EUIC casters, uh, they said that they expected me, Weedle, to uh, you know win the EUIC, Speedious Chief.
2: I do I do remember uh that being thrown around yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, was it you? I think it was you, no? Yeah. It, was, it was Caleb. Do, do you know, do you know do you know who knocked him out?
2: Um it was I. Yeah, it was I. <laughs> 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 you were truly <laughs> Oh, my God. Me Me Weedle is is really, really talented. He's a good example of a trainer that just started in the game recently and then uh, Mm -hmm. came out and performed really well, obviously, at Worlds last year and then won a regional this year as well. But yeah, no, Martine, we might have to... You and Magic Mason might share the same nickname. You might both be dream eaters if you keep on (laughs) knocking out these competitors, right?
0: Yeah, we'll see. I think it's just our age age catching up, but all these younger people are being so good currently, right? Um, Yeah. But yeah, how about uh, we wrap it up here again? Thank you for
2: your time, Speedish Chief. Um, Anything else you want to say or give a shout out to? Uh, No, I just think it's really important that people, if they enjoy this podcast, if they enjoy Stadium Cast, they should. Uh, follow, sub, download, go to the YouTube, like that video, leave a comment, everything else that you need to do in order to support it because I think that's really, really critical. You can say that you want PvP to grow. You can say you're invested in grassroots, but you got to actually do something too. So definitely show your support to Martine and Amanda. They put on a great show. I binged all the previous episodes before coming on here. Still didn't have my curveballer in mind, but I enjoyed the episodes (laughs) that much. Um, But no, thank you both for your time. I know that there's a huge time gap and I appreciate you. Uh, your time, your energy, and your effort, and yeah, let's uh, let's see what worlds holds, and let's see what next season has in store.
1: All right, we appreciate you, Will, and uh, stay tuned, everyone, for the next episode as well, released on Fridays. Bye.
0: Bye.